Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. So I want to take this evening, and I want to talk about love. Uh, I my attention got thrown in a different direction when I was doing my devotion this morning. Uh, a lot of times I don't, well, I don't hardly ever like get thrown in a direction just the day of because of a devotion or something. But this morning, um, my devotion was um, to me it was it was just on point for what we needed to hear. I want to read a few verses here in John 21, and let's start with verse 15. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Uh, let me pray. Father, this evening, Lord, would you allow me the opportunity to communicate once again today a, I think, a, um, a great truth? It's not great because of me. It's great because it's your truth. Lord, as we go about our day, uh, each day, it's, it seems to be that it's, relationships are harder now than they ever have been. And so, God, would you teach us from your word in Christ's name? Amen. Um, so Jesus talks to Peter here. This is if you're a student of the Bible or been around church in any any, any length of time, you may have heard this this passage scripture where um, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, "Do you love me?" And he does it three times. And the prevailing thought that he gives to him is, "Feed my sheep." Now. We know <laughs> I have never had sheep, but I've had goats before, and I've been around other livestock. And I'll, he's not talking about feeding them pelletized sheep food. You know what I mean? It's not like a bag of livestock feed. You go out here, I want you to feed my sheep. That's not what he's talking about. And so I, I want to take a look and, and dive into this a little bit um, more, this idea of the fact that Jesus is wanting Simon and us to love each other. Um, so when we do that, I, I'm going to read to you a, a verse. He says in, in John 20, verse uh, 21, he says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And when we think about Jesus Christ and Him coming and, and being sent by the Father, we know that the that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So it, it was driven by love. But then when we think about love, love gets interesting because and when we put this whole thing in context, he tells Peter to go feed my sheep. The Lord's got a lot of different kind of sheep, Right? You and I are sheep in his pasture, right? But we're all different. The Lord has sheep that are a little bit crazy. He has sheep that think different than other sheep do. 
Um, in other words, his people, talking about us and talking about everybody that we come in contact with, especially in the household of faith, and that's where we want to start at. I mean, this goes beyond, but I just want to deal with us as church folks, as God's people. It's hard sometimes to get along with everybody, is it not? As a matter of fact, some folks withdraw because they don't want to be hurt anymore. Am, am I right? We, we want to, well, I'll just come to church and I'll just do my thing and then I'll leave and all, but I, I don't want to put myself out there because I've been hurt too many times and stuff and, and, and all. And we take that as an option. But the question is, is God okay with that option? Is God okay with the fact that I am not going to put myself out there to be hurt no more? Well, what I want to do to address that is I want us to turn over here for just a moment to 1 John. In 1 John, I want to read just a little bit. Um, let's see here. Let's go to 1 John 4, verse 4. We'll read several verses here. In 1 John 4, verse, from verses four, verse 4 on. He says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He, he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I want to pause there for just a moment. When we, we're going to read some more, so you hold your place right there. But when we think about love, we know that God not only is saying that, that, that He is love and that we are to love one another, we can go to the fact that, that when he was asked what is the greatest commandment, he said that you are to love him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, sometimes it's easier to love God than it is to love other people. It's real easy to love God when we have... A, we, when we have when we don't put ourselves in view of his holiness and we just love God for who we think he, think he is and we don't love in the light of who we are and who he truly is. But then you add the idea that he says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then he says in 1 John that, that he that God is love. In our lives, we try to manufacture love. Now, I'm not talking about the spirit stuff. I'm talking about us in our flesh. We try to manufacture love because we need, man, I've got to love them because I was told I have to love them, right? But see, God's not trying to manufacture something. God doesn't have to try to love somebody. God... Why? Because God is love. In other words, it is part of his character. It's his nature. It is who he is. So he's not stressing. He's not straining. As a matter of fact, we'll read it in just a minute, I believe, but, but he loved us while we were unlovable. Why? Because he's capable of doing that. Because going back to weeks ago, he has no agenda. He just loves. And he's telling Peter that you need, I want you to feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then I want you to feed my sheep. What has love got to do with feeding sheep? Well, what God's talking about us doing is actually treating one another the way he would treat them. And it goes a little bit beyond that for me. It is God loving you through me and you loving, God loving me through you. In other words, that I'm dying and he's living. We've heard these words a lot, have we not? We die, he lives. So in the, on the love aspect of things, we have to understand that we have all the resources that we need. 
we read those, those words here just a moment ago. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world, right? But we like to grab those verses like that, and we like to use them for our own personal benefit. Somebody's coming against me. Well, bless God, you're going to go down because greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. But what about when we apply it to love? What about when we apply it that, in other words, we're going to find out here in a moment that we have no recourse whatsoever other than loving each other. Why? Because just as the Father sent him, he's sending us. You with me? So we don't, we don't get an option. Well, I'm going to love this person, but I'm not going to love that person. And I'm going to love this one this way, but I'm going to love that one that way. We don't, get, we don't get that option in the Christian life. It is just a simple blanket statement that you are to love others just as Christ loved you. We know that God does not have to manufacture love because he is love. God is love. But yet in our lives, we find it hard because, well, let me just read, let me read something for you here. Maybe set the stage. I want to read to you from my devotion this morning. This is love in the making. The love, God, uh, I mean, the love of God is not created. It is his nature. When we receive the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit, he unites us with God so that his love is demonstrated in us. The goal of the indwelling Holy Spirit is not just to unite us with God, but to do it in such a way that we will be one with the Father in exactly the same way Jesus was. And what kind of oneness did Jesus have with the Father? He had such a oneness with the Father that he was obedient when his Father sent him down here to be poured out for us. As he says to us, as the Father sent you, I also send you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Peter now realizes that he does love him due to the revelation that came with the Lord's piercing question. The Lord, Lord's next point is, pour yourself out. Don't testify about how much you love me and talk about the wonderful revelation you have had. Just feed my sheep. Now, I want you to hear that one more time because that, that really jumped out at me. He says, um, don't testify about how much you love me. And don't talk about wonderful revelations you've had. But see, that seems to be a lot of people's Christian life, does it not? When they get high on Jesus and all, it, this seems to be the entirety of it. He said just, he, he's saying that the Lord's telling Peter, just feed my sheep. How do you feed his sheep? Well, you do it just the way that Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth, and in the, in the words of Oswald Chambers at another time in his devotion, he said, we are to be broken bread and poured out wine. That's exactly what Jesus was. He gave his body over to be crushed for us, his blood to uh, pay the penalty for our sins, the atonement, and all. And, and we're, we're not literally falling, following in those footsteps because we can't save anybody with the shedding of our blood. But in essence, you and I are to be broken bread and poured out wine to the rest of the world, especially to each other within the household of faith. Let me read just a little bit further. Jesus has some extraordinarily peculiar sheep. Some with an unkept, some are unkept and dirty. Some are awkward and pushy. Some have gone astray. But it is simply, uh, but it is, but it is impossible to exhaust the love of God. And it's impossible to exhaust my love if it flows from the Spirit of God within me. Now. Think about that for just a moment with what we started with. That's what makes it difficult, is it not? As a matter of fact, that's why it's more difficult now to love people, and you see so many relationship problems now, is because so many people are going contrary to God. Some within the church, a lot without the, without of the, with, on the outside of the church. My tongue's tied up this evening. But a lot of them on the outside of the church, but some within the church, they're living in sin. And it's hard. And I say living in sin, they're, they're, they're living contrary to, to right. And, but then also, there are so many options in the world today. There are more options for each and every one of us today than there ever have been. 
You, you, you can get almost any kind of clothing you want from all over this world within one hour of your house. As a matter of fact, you ain't even got to go an hour of your house. You just click a button. You want to wear what's in style in France? Click a button. You got the credit card? You can do it. You can do it. You, you want a car? You don't even have to leave your house. Carvana. You know, it's, it's a car vending machine world we live in. There are so many options out there. And then we come into doing life together, and we find that there are so many different people that we're dealing with. At one point in time, and I think that's why people tend to love the little country church or the little city church or whatever. Why? Because that's pretty much made up of the same folks. You think back in the day, you had a community of people, and the church was there, and the people that went to that church, they were a part of that community, right? And they all grew green beans, although this one might have their flavor of green beans, and that one's got another flavor of green beans that they like. And they all, Some of y'all don't think that's a big thing, but there's a lot of people getting arguments about green beans. You know, which ones you plant? These are the best. These are, you know, but... And I, I, my, my grandmama, I, I, I don't know how to get them and don't know that you can get them, but she, she had butter beans that she grew, and them things was about that big around. And the dirt that they were growing in, I loved them. I, I hated them when I was first growing up, and then I acquired a taste for them, and now I miss them. But everybody's got so many choices. But those choices have nothing to do with whether you love somebody or not. You got to understand that those are just, they're just people's preferences throughout life. And we, so often, we will get so caught up in the things of the world that we miss the fact that we are to love all of his sheep. All of them. The ones that, do, that act a little different, the ones that talk a little different, the ones that think a little different. But at the end of the day, We've been commanded with no option but to love them. I've told them first thing this morning, you know, if everybody was like me, it'd be a perfect world. It'd be a perfect world for me. But everybody's not like me. And I'm glad everybody's not like me. Everybody's not like you. And most, if you think about it, we are such critical people, are we not? We'll sit around and we'll critique everybody. Social media has made us, has opened the door up for us to sit around and critique people. And, and, and we, sit, we, we do those things. But does that stuff really matter at the end of the day? I think it's a diversion that happens in my life, it happens in everybody else's lives. And so loving people is hard in the flesh. And I want to I finish reading this because he, he gets to the point, and then I want to take some scripture and, and go around it. Said, but it, um, some that are awkward and pushy, some that have gone astray, but it is, it is impossible to exhaust God's love, it, and it is impossible to exhaust my love if it flows from the Spirit of God within me. The love of God pays no attention to my prejudices caused by my natural individuality. If I love my Lord, I have no business being guided by natural emotions. I have to feed His sheep. We will not be delivered or released from His commission to us. Beware of counterfeiting the love of God by following your own natural human emotions and sympathies and understandings that will only serve to revile and abuse the true love of God. So think about that for just a moment. We don't get out of it. There is no escape from us loving each other. It is an absolute 100% straight-up command. So if you're a Christian... You have to love me. I have to love you. Now that may sound <laughs> kind of uh, like ball and chain kind of stuff, but we, would, we should want to love each other. Let me read a little bit out, more out of 1 John. Um, let's go back to verse 8 for a second. 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, 
For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us given us of His Spirit. And that means that if we don't love, and we could go to some other verses, but I want to just keep things focused in. If we don't love each other, then God does not abide in us. So if, if there is no chance whatsoever that we're going to love each other, and you're only loving the people that you want to love, then, then could it be that what we're manifesting is our own ability to get along with people and to care about people, that, but just the ones that we want to care about? And I'm afraid that that's what we do a lot of times, is we figure that our, we, we, we're really just getting along with people instead of loving them. Because that sacrificial love, man, I mean, that's, that's, that's something else. That you and I would love people like God loved us and send his son to die for us as the example of that love. That's an amazing thing, is it not? To think. Have you ever had people that are hard to love? Have you ever faked it? I'm raising my hand not to get you to raise your hand. I'm raising my hand saying I, I have faked it before. And I don't, anyhow, I'm, I'm, but it's just, I wanted out of the situation. I wanted to get, get through with, with, with it. I wanted, to, I wanted to escape or I wanted to just not make ripples or whatever. And so I just grin and bear it and get through it. That is not what God wants us to do. And the reason that we do that is because we're not crucified. Our flesh is not crucified, and we are not letting the love of God manifest itself in us. We're manifesting our own abilities to get through it. And I'm telling you right now, if you, want to, if you want revival in your relationships with other people, try this. And it feels so awkward, so alien, because... In our, in our heart of hearts, it does not come natural to just love others. To, and, and think of the analogy that he's telling Peter. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And like I said, he's not talking about making some breakfast for them, like pancake breakfast for the seniors. He's not talking about doing it. They're going to be showing up for pancakes next week. That's what's going to happen. But that's not what he's talking about. He is talking about us letting them feast on him through us. That you, you can't deny, and you, it's hard to fight back against just the, 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 the crucified in the flesh, letting God live through you love. And you've probably known people, though, that were like that. They just loved you with a non-biased, oh, God heart, just loved. You messed up, they loved you. You did something wrong, different than what, they just loved you. I don't know if it was just a, 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 a grandma kind of thing or not, but man, my mama's mama, Man, she used to greet us when we'd go visit. She'd greet the grandkids and everybody with the sweetest love and hugs and kisses and stuff. No, I can't remember exactly how she used to do it, but she lied to me. And man, here she come through that. And, and, and just, man, I mean, it was just like you, you knew it was coming, but you were looking forward to it. But is that what we experience on a day-to-day life in church life? And if not, why? And I mean, you think about it, love, it, it, it goes so far beyond just a greeting. 
Love is an action that takes place, something that God leads us to do. In other words, we, we, we go and we should, if we go to serve other people, we are serving them in the love of Christ. In other words, it is God's compelling love in us that's causing us to do that and not any, we have no premeditated thoughts in this thing. But when you think about it, most of the time in our lives, we have those preconceived notions, don't we? What can I get out of it? How is this going to benefit me? Even if it's just getting me out of the situation. And we, we, we manifest this stuff within us. It's, not, it's, it's our flesh doing it, but it's not God doing it. But God's given us the power. In other words, we have the ability the question is going to be is, will we deny ourselves so that we might love others like Christ loves them? And like I said, I can't stress it enough, but the household of faith, our brothers and sisters, it's hard. Reconciliation, it's tough sometimes. If you've been hurt, I've been hurt or something. I mean, I've been hurt before, and I know you've been hurt before too. But then to see the genuineness of the love of God that will not let you continue to be upset with somebody, will not let you continue to be mad at them or have ill feelings toward them, and, and to deny yourself the right to be right, to de deny yourself the right to, to, to lord over a situation and just, just open yourself up and say, you know what, I'm going to love you. I don't feel like loving you. I don't, I don't, and, and, and I think the, the thing, to, truthfully, is just be honest, is it not? I mean, that's, for me, that's one of the best things to do. I mean, and I don't know if you need to be honest with yourself at the moment and say, you know, there's just some people I have a hard time loving. There's just, there's, I've been hurt to the point where I don't want to love no more. I don't want to put make myself vulnerable no more to be loved. You know, it's almost like that moment when you admit you got an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction or something. You know, hey, my name's Greg, and I have a hard time getting along with people. Right? But, but that's the start. That's what they say anyhow. The first, the first steps to admit, right? Yes, that's me. I have evil thoughts in my head toward people. But God won't let me. You know, listen, listen to this one more time. I want to read, read through this now that we've hit this point. I want you to listen to a couple verses again. Verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. L listen, listen to them one more time, because we, we make excuses. I'm, 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 I just I feel disconnected. So good luck, y'all. Um, listen to what he says again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. You didn't create love. I didn't create love. This is God's plan. He's the originator of us loving. He's, he's our originator. He's the one who created us. And we didn't come up with love. And the reason we don't have to come up with love is because he is love. Like I said, that's his character. I'm just trying to, I want to drive some things home for just a moment. And then I want to conclude with an illustration. But listen, he says that, beloved, love, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, I think the right word would be the antecedent for that, but the, the opposite of that, listen, listen, to what, listen, listen to what it says here. Everyone who loves is born of God. So what does that mean, church? Everyone that is not of God, what? Does not love. That's right. So if 
somebody is not saved, they can't love. You say, that's impossible. I know people that are lost that love me. No, you know people that manifested in their own flesh what they were doing. How, how do I know? It's impossible, is it not? I'm, I mean, we've got the scripture. I'm going to read it again. But God is love. So you're saying that a lost person has God if you say that the lost person can love. Now, stuff like this, I love, I love talking about stuff like this because nobody wants to think about things like this. Nobody wants to think about the fact that, there are, that lost people cannot manifest the love of God. But all I'm doing is reading the Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. So if you can love, then the Bible says you are what? Born of God. You're born from above. You're born again. You see, what happened in the fall was we were... We were created in the image of God, but then that image became marred through the fall. So now what happens in Christ is we've been made back right with God. So now at one time, Adam and Eve, they had, they had the love of God. They fell, they lost it. Christ comes and we, were, we, 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 we through the, the regeneration, the rebirth, we now have the Spirit of God living in us again. And God is love, and he who loves is born of God. So now we as Christians, I want you to think of it like this, we are the only ones that can truly love people. Why? Because we have no agenda in that love. Everybody else has an agenda. And it don't take long to prove it, does it not? It don't take long to prove it. Everybody out there, I don't care what they say. I don't trust people. I don't know about you. I only trust the Spirit of God. I don't even trust my own flesh. You've heard me say this before. Why? Because the Bible says that my flesh is wicked. My flesh will lie to me. My flesh will lead me in a wrong direction. You trust your flesh. It's a strong word, but I think it's biblical. You're a fool. And I am too. We're fools to trust our flesh. Now, I've said before, you want to make sure that you never have an affair, never be in a room alone with somebody of the opposite sex other than your spouse. I can handle it. No, you can't. You, you, you and I, have it, the, the moment that we will put ourselves in the position that we will tempt the flesh, as the Bible says, don't tempt the flesh, as we tempt the flesh, guess what? We're crazy. We are asking to fall. So I don't trust me. I trust the Spirit of God inside of me, and I'm thankful for the Spirit of God inside of me. I trust the conviction of the Spirit of God. I trust the voice of God as he whispers to my heart. Why? Because he'll never lead me wrong. And he'd never lead you wrong either. But the moment that you start listening to your flesh, you are headed down a wrong road, and I am too. That's why we have to make sure that we are not letting our, 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 the, the sinful heart lead us. That's why the Bible constantly tells us that you are not to renew yourself by renewing your heart. What does the Bible tell us? Come on, folks. Renew your mind. That's exactly right. We are to renew our mind. Why? Because it is through the knowledge of his word that he changes our heart. Put your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How does the word get in my heart? Through the knowledge. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if we don't stay in his word and constantly renew our mind, our heart is not going to be headed in the right direction. So you don't trust your heart. We trust truth. Right? 
And that's in our world today that we live in, that's where the Christian life is led and that's where we live. How do I know certain things are wrong? Because the Bible tells me so. How do I know that Jesus loves me? The Bible tells me so. How do I know that he's coming back again one day? The Bible tells me so. How do I know all these truths? The Bible tells me so. So when I read the scriptures, if, if we do what people are trying to get us to do today, there's a word called intersectionality and critical race theory. What they're trying to get us to do is let culture dictate what the scriptures actually say. And culture does not dictate what the scripture says. Scripture translates scripture. The scripture backs scripture up. You and I do not have the authority nor the right to adjust truth. We, we follow truth. And so when we read it, I, I hate to put it this way because it sounds kind of corny, but it's black and white. This is what it says. Let me read this again. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And so if we love each other, we are doing what God wants us to do. And I'm growing in this too. I want you to hear my heart. It's not that I've got love perfected in my flesh. No, it is something that I'm growing in every single day, and, and we all should be growing in. But two children of God should have no reason whatsoever that they can't work it out. Because the preferences don't matter. If a sheep stinks, it ain't your business to put cologne on them. It's your business to love them. Right? And we love through, I think truth is love, but if you get my, my point, if, if, if somebody don't pick your type of game at the next activity with the church that you're at, well, I don't like bingo. Well, so what? Get over yourself. I don't want to play them drums on a ball or whatever. Then don't. I don't know why you stopped at McDonald's. You should have stopped at Burger King. Would you get over yourself? It is not about us. You know, why has the Sunday school class got to be in this room? Because that's where it's at. And if you wanted to be a part of that, then come volunteer enough time and you can help make some decisions. You know, why is it painted that color? You could have been here and picked out a color and painted a color. But if you ain't going to volunteer the time, then, then hush, because it ain't about you, and it ain't about me. Do you, you get where I'm coming from? You see why there's so much church trouble? It's because everybody thinks that this is about them, but it's not. And it don't matter. Chairs, pews, don't matter. It's whatever works best for right now. It don't matter. And I don't want to put me in the middle of it, but some folks think that, well, the preacher, you know, like with the chairs. My idea, I just told my wife the other day, and I don't get, I don't, God don't let me pick what I get to do. Okay? But if I told her, if I had my way, if I was ever to pastor another church, I would love to have, one, for whatever reason, Presbyterians built some cool-looking churches. A lot of them are white, lapboard churches. And they got the black doors and the black shutters. I just think architecturally and, and, and traditionally, they, I said, man, that, that is, some of them, I'm like, that's cool. I said, we passed one the other day. I said, man, that's, I would love to pastor a church that looked like that. Did you hear what I said? You said, then why did you change this? Well, first off, this didn't look like that, but that's irrelevant. I didn't. He did. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. I didn't. He did. I've told you this before. While we sing these songs, whatever, you ought to come listen to my playlist. My wife can tell you, I listen to some of the craziest music. Music that you would never think I'd be listening to. I, I mean, I, I ain't even going to go into it. I, li I mean, it's all, I mean, I like, 
Christian music, but you would just never picture me listening to that music. This ain't about me. It's not about my preferences. If I had my choice, I've told you so many times before, have you been here for years? Does anybody know what time I would prefer to have church on Sunday? Does anybody remember? Yes, exactly right. Three o'clock on Sunday. The reason is I could get up and make brunch 10 o'clock. I could get me a shower about 12 o'clock. Because Sunday, man, I mean, everybody wants to like chill out or whatever. And by the time we got everybody rolling without stress, right? There ain't, ain't no kids dragging them and screaming and hollering and all that because everybody's done kind of had their time. And now here we go. Three o'clock, and then let the preacher go for two hours. I'm still going to be out before five o'clock, and I got all afternoon, right? That just seems stress-free to me. I got, a fr- I got a friend of mine that pastors a church. That's when they have church. I'm like, dang, dude, if I wasn't pastoring, I'd come to your church. Not because you preach good, because I like the time you start church. <laughs> <laughs> but it ain't about me. Sunrise service. We're going to have sunrise service this Easter, right? That ain't my thing. Steve, I'll tell you, sunrise service ain't my thing. Why? I don't want to be in my flesh. I don't feel like preaching at 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't. And and contrary to popular belief, I get up. I wake up early. I can't can't lay in the bed no more. My back hurts. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm getting older and things are changing. And if all that wakes me up at 4.30, guess what? 4.30 is it, you know? But, so it's not my, it's not, but here, listen. And I'm not trying to make things about me. I'm just using, using it as an example. It's not about me. But you loving each other and me loving you and all that, it's got to not be about us. It has got to not be about us. I don't know how, let me... Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. You can't get no plainer than that. And let me just say this. If you don't love people, I ain't talking about you manifesting the love inside yourself. And I'm talking about all people. Did you hear my heart? I'm talking about all people. You and I don't get to pick who people are. There is one race on the face of this planet that's called the human race. And we love all people. Not as if they are less than us and we are the... (laughs) Premier race that white folks are on the top of the chain. Nope. Because if that's true, then Jesus didn't make the top of the chain. Because he wasn't from Ireland, just kind of throwing it out there. And he says, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you want to think, what you want to do, you have no choice whatsoever. That's him. That's a challenge. Is it not? Let's just be honest. That's a challenge. And I feel a lot of things in my flesh. I do. I struggle with a lot of things that everybody else struggles with, but I have no choice but to come back to this book. And this is what the book says. I'm going to read them two verses one more time I'll give you, and give you an illustration. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. <clears throat> I'm not going to name names here nor church names or nothing like that. I was a youth pastor at a church one time. I actually was a youth pastor at three churches, three different churches. Well, two and a half. I don't know what I was at the one, but I was one of them that volunteered. They'd volunteer you for everything, and you'd volunteer for everything, and they'd let you. I had, been, I had been a Christian less than six months, and I'm a trustee. What in the world kind of sense does that make? I was a trustee of the church. I hadn't been saved six months. 
Lord, I didn't even, I hadn't even got to the point where I was quit cussing yet. I mean, I still, you know, I'm still struggling with, you know, with, with life. I mean, I worked in shops and around welding and all this other stuff. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's the truth. And so anyhow, but I was at this one, I was at a church and a youth pastor there and got this idea of have a youth revival. You know, never had led anything like that before. I was probably about two years, right at two years in, let's see. Two and a half years into my Christianity at that point. Youth revival. So I got some people that I had met and, and all to come do this youth revival. Added there at the church. People had already started getting, a few folks had gotten saved through the youth ministry. It was astonishing for everybody at the church because they hadn't seen anybody, excuse me, anybody saved in a long time. And man, I mean, the, 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 Student ministers growing, people's getting saved. Well, there's this one person. He's an adult in the community that I lived in. Absolute racist. He didn't have a rebel flag because he was historical. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't for the glory of history that he had a rebel flag on his truck, in the back of his truck, on his clothes and whatever. Well... His kids was getting brought, his, his wife was doing youth ministry at another church, and they, we invited people in the community to come. They come over. They made him come one time. He got saved one night at that revival. Ends up going back to his church with, with his wife. He gets baptized there. He still loves the Lord today, matter of fact. But I get a phone call after we got to North Carolina. It was months after, or maybe it been a year, but I thought I think it was like, just say, I think it was between four and six, four and eight months, somewhere in that neighborhood. But anyhow, we, we had just moved to North Carolina to go to Fruitland, and I get this phone call from his wife. You'll never believe what happened. I said, what's that? I said, we did an outreach in an African-American trailer park in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, not a, nothing unusual there for the church. No, like, that's cool. They said, that ain't the cool part. I said, the cool part is my husband, who got saved at the youth revival, took a bag of marbles with him and sat down with little black kids and taught them how to play marbles in the dirt for the glory of Jesus. See, if you've been born of God, the love of God is in you. If I do what my flesh wants to do, y'all won't like me. I promise you. But if I do what God wants me to do, then I manifest him to the, to the world. And it is a constant battle. My flesh, dying to my flesh, versus living to Christ. It's an everyday dying thing. Every day. And it is not something that we try to manifest on our own because I'm telling you right now, I've lost that battle way too many times. I can't manifest me loving somebody. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd love to think that in my flesh, that in my own nature, my, my, me, that I love my wife. But the Bible says it's impossible for me to love her lest I be born again. So like when I'm, we met each other, I don't know what it was. Huh. <laughs> If we listen to that one preacher that was got in trouble on Facebook the other day, it would say because she was hot. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with me having like des desiring a relationship with her or anything like that. That guy's in trouble. I'm glad it ain't me. I'm telling you right now, I stay in enough trouble. But I didn't learn how to actually love her until. God saved me. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm, 
You get it? And, and my learning is taking in knowledge of the truth, dying to my flesh daily, letting him live. Taking in knowledge, die to self, letting him live. Taking in knowledge, die to self, letting him live. Every moment of every day. And when I don't, there's problems. I say something that I shouldn't say. I think things I shouldn't think. And, 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 all, and I react to things in ways that I shouldn't react. And the cycle gets vicious. You know? Trying to be holy on your own is exhausting. I'm telling you right now, trying to be a good person, God bless them, I can't do it. It's exhausting. It's tiring. Truth? But dying to myself is so unnatural, is it not? I gave you the illustration before of getting on the highway in life. You enter on, on that entrance ramp onto the freeway, and it's like you're in Atlanta, Georgia, times two. You get in there, and you're, you're in that right lane. Matter of fact, you're probably just bumping down the emergency lane, doing that deal. Y'all been there? And we start getting, and we get out on that first lane, we're over there, and we're riding, right? Everything's cool, but guess what? Man, all these cars are going so fast coming by us, man. If I could just get over one time, I could get down the road a lot quicker, and we move over. And the further we go along in life, we move over another lane, and we move over another lane, and there it is down the road, that exit that God wants us to take. The only problem is I got six lanes of traffic between me and that exit because I'm over there rolling. To me, that's every single day of my life that I don't surrender to him. Exit off. I can't get off because I'm too deep in this. And I try, and as me trying, it just makes a mess out of everything. I got people mad at me. I got everything else going on. But if I would just stay in the right lane and trust him that you don't have to chase everything else, you just stay right there with him, then whenever he needs you, you're right there. Just right there. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.